Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 801 The Time, hour two here on Sports 56 Mornings, the Thursday, January 4th, 2024 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their floor model sale continues. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently 32 degrees as you get your Thursday started. Sunny skies. We're looking at a high today of 45, and then tonight mostly clear with a low of 30. The second hour of the program is indeed brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. They're your family's jeweler at 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. They've been around Memphis a long, long time. They've been in that East Memphis location that I've been talking about on Poplar Avenue for about 25 years. Before that, for years, they were on Summer Avenue. So Gaddis Jewelers, synonymous with Memphis uh, over the years. If you're looking for that special engagement ring in 2024, you're going to pop the question. Make sure James Gaddis Jewelers is one of the jewelers that you check out. All their diamonds are independently graded and certified. They know there's a lot of competition. So James, make sure there's a price point to suit everyone's budget. James is a local guy, Christian Brothers High School graduate, and a Memphian through and through. If you're looking for a watch of all types, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and pendants, you got Valentine's Day right around the corner. Think James Gaddis Jewelers plus one-of-a-kind estate and vintage jewelry. And they have two repair experts to help you with your fine watches and jewelry. Just take it on in to James Gaddis Jewelers. Tell them you heard it here on Sports 56 Mornings. James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar Avenue between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. Well, the last couple of days, news has started to uh, leak in on uh, what's going on this spring with the Memphis Showboats. Uh, Would they be back? Would they not be back? Well, we found out, of course, that the rumors were true that it was going to be a merger between the USFL and the XFL with eight teams, one of those teams being your Memphis Showboat. So they are ready to get going again. There's also changes within the organization, a new general manager and a new head coach. And we are very pleased to be joined by the new head coach of the Memphis Showboats, John Filippo, who joins us here on the program, the former New Orleans Breakers head coach, offensive coordinator for many years in the NFL with the Browns, the Vikings, the Jaguars, and a Super Bowl champion as the quarterback's coach with the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, Coach Filippo joins us now on the program. John, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. So, obviously, a whirlwind here. Last year, you're down in New Orleans. You're coaching the Breakers. You don't know what's going to happen to the league. And here we go. You're in Memphis, and you're going to take over the showboats. How excited are you? Yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. And just be a part of this, of, of this merger. You know, it, it, it stinks for a lot of coaches and a lot of players. Um, that that aren't a part of it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think it's only going to make the league stronger. And uh, I think spring football is here to stay now, and it's going to be a stable league with stable backing, and and uh, it's going to be great TV. And uh, spring football is here. Last year with New Orleans, you had a, a successful year. Went to the playoffs. You had the league's leading passer. You had the league's leading rusher. It was your first year of being a part of the the spring league with the USFL. What was it like to, to to be a part of that after so many years in the NFL? 
it was a change. It was, a, and I, that's what I was looking for at this point in my career. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm an old man now and, and coaching years, <laughs> old, but you know, I'm still relatively young. But it was totally different for me, uh, and I wanted that challenge because, you know, in the NFL, you have OTAs to get to know the players. You know, it's, when, when I say OTAs, you have practice in the spring. Okay, you have uh, mini camps. You have those things before the training camp starts. And the first time I ever saw our team was the day I walked in for the first day of training camp. And so that was a fun piece to try to, you know, puzzle together what everyone does well uh, and put them in good spots to succeed. And, you know, more times than not, we did a good job of that last season. We're all football guys. And I, I thought last year, even with the two different leagues, I thought for the most part it was it was good football. But you're absolutely, absolutely right, John. When you combine the best of both and limit it to eight teams – the competition for roster spots is going to be there. The quality is going to go up uh, everywhere, all across the board. It's going to be quality football. That's right, 100%. And, you know, you'd be shocked. I mean, I have a 1,100 emails right now in my in my <laughs> inbox, okay, from agents and players and coaches that want to be a part of this thing. And I'm trying to get back to everybody. So if anybody's listening, I haven't gotten back to so I'm trying. I'll get I'll get to it eventually. So it's just a really exciting time that so many people want to be a part of this thing and, and get it going. And, and there's no better place to do it than, than, a, than in a football-crazed state like Tennessee and a football-crazed city like Memphis. The With the spring league, and you mentioned it's different because of when you finally get to your players, but – from a from you for me an offensive guy designing an offense is it still a lot of the stuff you did in the NFL or did you have to change things for the spring football? No, it's it's, it's a lot of the same concepts and and you know for your, for your listeners out there a lot of the players that we have on our teams have been in the NFL before mm-hmm. whether it be they were drafted or they were you know a, a college free agent or signed as a free agent or maybe a guy lasted two or three years in the league and is trying to get back in the NFL by getting some good tape out there. So a lot of these guys understand the volume of what a professional offense or defense or special teams, you know, uh, looks like, and they understand the commitment and they understand the time that it takes. And, you know, it's a great way for a young man to challenge himself because it's not like he has the playbook starting in now. I mean, we're still piecing that together. And, you know, when you put it together in offense and in these type of leagues, you got to have a, a broad enough offense to where really you do what your quarterback does well. And then it, that's where the whole thing starts. And then you build from there with, with what everyone else does well. So, because you get, you got to do what the quarterback does good. I'm sure that all the answers uh, to all the questions uh, have, have not been uh, uh, put forward yet. Those things are still kind of trickling in as to all the details of what will be happening with this, with this new league. Not only for us the public, but also for you. But maybe you have an answer to this. How does it work now with the showboats being one of the returning teams, obviously having a roster from last year, and then you have these other teams that have folded, for a lack of better terms, and all those players available, plus other players that would be available that have wrapped up college or maybe they're no longer in the NFL. So how how is it going to all come together, John, as far as a, a roster is concerned for the showboats. That's a great question. Um, it's a process. We have a couple drafts coming up that you know the details are still being ironed out uh, of you know players that have been in the USFL, players that have been in the XFL. So we have a couple drafts here coming up. So right now for us, the free agency period is dead, mm-hmm. um, and so we're just getting ready for for these two for these drafts and um, to put our rosters together. 
But like I've been telling all of our players that have been reaching out to me and, and those things, it's going to be a process all the way up until when we report. Uh, so it, it's going to have to take some patience by the players and the agents because it's, it's literally very fluid until we hit the grass running. How excited are you to actually have a home stadium this year where last year you're the New Orleans Breakers yeah. but playing in Birmingham? You know, um, it's going to be great, it, it, especially in a city like Memphis. Like I said, it, it's going to be great. And and I will say this, though, our team takes an approach of, of any any place, anytime, anywhere. We, we don't care when we play. We don't care where we play. You're gonna We're going to show up. The Memphis Showboats are going to show up and play an exciting brand of football. We're going to fly to the football. No, we're not going to do everything right all the time. We're going to do everything full speed and run to the football. Good things happen when you're around the football, and that's how we're going to play. But it's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome to be able to call you know Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium home, and, and we're thrilled about that. For those who don't or are not familiar with your work, and, and obviously if you're an NFL fan, you, you know John's work, being an offensive coordinator with three different NFL franchises, being the quarterback's coach on a Super Bowl-winning team. Wh- how would you describe your offensive philosophy? Um, we, we, we like to throw the football, okay? And, and, and all the analytics and all those things will tell you that you throw the football to get explosive plays and win games. And then you run it more towards the end of the game to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to come out you know, fast. We want to come out flying. Doesn't mean we don't believe in running the football. That's not what I'm saying. But we want to create explosive p- plays in the pass game and in the run game. And that's, to me, it's, that's how you win football games, as you jump up on a lead and then you force the other team to have a little bit you know, of pressure on them, and then you try to run the football down their throat to seal the game. And so that's how we're going to try to play, uh, and, and it hopefully it'll be an exciting brand of football for all of our fans. Is it, and I don't know if this has officially been decided, but will all of the teams be based in Arlington and then you'll just come here to play the games? That's a great question. Those those details are still being ironed out as well. Uh, so I, my mind has been so focused on player acquisition, player acquisition, player <laughs> acquisition. We've got our coaching staff finalized, which I'd love to talk about here yeah. in a second with you guys. Um, and so that was what my mind has been on. Uh, so I, I don't have an answer for you right now with that. I, I was going to ask you, how many, is it a lot of your staff from New Orleans? Is new staff, what, what is your staff as, uh, of, for this year? I'm thrilled with our staff. I'm thrilled. I, we have over 200 years of coaching experience on our staff. Okay? Wow. Um, I kept Coach Lake, Coach Carnell Lake. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I thought he did a fantastic job with the Showboats defense last year. Uh, Paul Pasqualoni yeah. uh, will be will be our, our linebackers coach, head coach for years at Syracuse at UConn. Um, he will be uh, – he has been a defensive coordinator in the National Football League with the Detroit Lions. He's coached linebackers for the Dallas Cowboys under Bill Parcells. He's been all over. And so it was important for me, because I'm an offensive guy, to get two – like, not, not that – not two guys that had called plays before. That was very critical for me. <laughs> and so – um, because I'm going to have to be on the other side of the ball. Our coaching staff, are, our staffs are small, so the head coach has to be involved on one side of the football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cornell Brown, who's a former first-round draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens, played at Virginia Tech, will be coaching our defensive line. So that's our defensive staff. And then our offensive staff will be the same uh, coaches that we had uh, coming from New Orleans with me. Doug Martin, longtime head coach at New Mexico State and Kent State, will be our offensive coordinator. Jim Turner, who's been a line coach with, with Texas A&M, with the Miami Dolphins, with the Cincinnati Bengals, will coach our offensive line. And then Kirk Dahl, who's been with me now, our fourth team together. Wow. I've known Kirk since 22 when it's G8 Notre Dame. He's coaching linebackers at Notre Dame. Uh, he'll be our running back coach and special teams coordinator. So, And then we have T.J. Veneri, 
and Hunter Hughes is our two quality control guys that were with me in New Orleans as well. So um, it's a you know great additions to the staff where we upgraded, but at the same time, you know, six guys that kind of know how I operate and how how they they kind of see it the same way I do in terms of what we want it to look like. And so it's I think it's a great mix of old and new. I know they announced the coaches just a couple of days ago. When did you find out that you will be coaching the showboats? I was pushing my daughter through a through a Publix grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was literally. I think I just put uh, put some uh, hot dogs in for her in the, in the cart, and and, and uh, I got a call from Daryl and said, "Unfortunately, the New Orleans Breakers are, no, are not in the merger, but would you like to coach the showboats?" And I said, "Absolutely, let's go." And so I was literally walking down a an aisle uh, at Publix grocery store. <laughs> Doesn't does isn't that the way it always happens for coaches, right? Aren't they always in a grocery <laughs> yeah. store? You know, I mean, it's it, hey, you don't get you don't go to the grocery store that often in the off except for the off season because you're stuck in the you're stuck in your office, you know, all, all season. But yeah, that's that's usually the way it works. In the, you know, when they catch you in the in the you know the funny times, you know. <laughs> what do you, what do you know? By the way, I, obviously you know that this is a great football town, Tennessee. This whole area. What what do you know about Memphis? Have you had any um, any any personal uh, experience with being in the city? No, not really. And that's what I'm look, really looking forward to, to uh, you know to finding out. Is I know the I've heard from everybody. The moment I took this job, every, I got must have gotten fifty texts that you're going to love the food, in Memphis. <laughs> that's uh, true. <laughs> so you know, I'm looking forward to that. I, and so you know, I, I'm really looking forward to, to getting out into town and 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 being out in the community. You know, the night the night before games is when you know we kind of, or the two nights before games, like a Friday night, is usually when we have like our we call it our date night, where we have, actually have a chance to leave the office before it's, before the sun goes down. And um, so, looking forward to getting out in the community and, and getting around and, and trying out different restaurants. That's kind of my Friday night thing to do is is try a different restaurant in whatever town I'm in. You know, every week. So uh, I'll be seeing people out and about. Can you? Coach, talk a little bit about. It. I know last year you you were you felt very lucky, I guess, probably to have that opportunity. the The health issues that you went through, and, and there, there was a possibility, I guess, that you may not be able to walk again. Yes, yeah, that was. I went through. A, I was going through a really rough time last year. Uh, I uh, I got out of bed one day, and, and my back was hurting, and, and I thought it was just normal, you know, getting old, you know, twenty pounds overweight, you know, back pain, you know. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Then my foot started swelling up, my right foot. And, you know, first they thought I had gout, and then they thought I had a couple of those things. And, and you know, I was getting passed around and passed around. And I live right outside of Jacksonville, Florida, uh, in a town called Atlantic Beach. And we're very fortunate that we have a Mayo Clinic here in Jacksonville. And so I, I checked myself into the Mayo Clinic, and I had, they, they kept me there for six and a half days. They didn't mm. know what I had. And finally... Um, they found out what I had, a rheumatologist from Eastern Europe, you know, came in and she goes, I think I know what you have. She goes, but we have to test and I'm, you're not going to like me very much. And I said, I'm here. I thought she was going to poke and prod me a little bit more with some shots and stuff. She stuck me in the MRI tube for two hours and nine minutes Oof. straight without a break. Oh gosh. Okay? Fully enclosed. All right. And I'm a six, three, 240 pound <laughs> man. All right. So, you know, that was a rough deal. So I said a lot of prayers, thought about my daughter a lot during that process. And they found out what I have. And I have an autoimmune disorder called ankylosing spondylitis. And basically what that is, is I have a very inflamed spine. Mm-hmm. And basically what it does is it, it, it can affect different joints in your body. 
And so it mine and that's why it takes so long to diagnose is it looks like it looks like so many other things <laughs> to different people because it might affect somebody's shoulder, it might affect somebody's hand. Mine happened to be my left hip and my right foot. And so um, I'm on the men now. I was still limping when I left the season last year. Um, you know, and uh, but I'm walking now, good. And so the doctors, I've been so fortunate for the doctors at the Mayo Clinic that they, they have me on, on, on the mend, and, and they're amazing over there. That's Man. incredible. Is, is it something that affects you more when you're mobile or when you're kind of sitting around and then trying to get up and walk? It, more when I, I get stiff. You know, so I, like when I'm on the phone a lot, like I'm sitting down right now with y'all, uh, but like when I'm talking throughout the day to players and agents and coaches and stuff, I'm always walking around my, my office. Like I'm, I'm literally just doing circles in my office. Just right. so my back, you know, I'll stand up a lot when I'm watching tape and stretch. Uh, it's just something that I have to battle. And, and uh, it's one of those things. And I'm, if this is the worst thing I have, I'm a very lucky man. Cause there's a lot, a lot of people were a lot worse off than me. Yeah. I, but yeah, that, that's a, I've been, remember reading that last year about you when you were playing the showboats and I was like, man, that's just sounds crazy when you're, when you're in that long and they don't know what's wrong with right. you. That's, that's gotta that's be the, worst. the odd yeah. is the worst part, I guess, of something like that. No question. I, I would have put it when I was in there, I would have put it at 70, 30. I would not coach the team. Like I was wow. getting the staff prepared for me not being there. And so, um, you know, I'll still remember like it was yesterday, coach Holtz and I, cause we shared a hub last year mm-hmm. together in Birmingham he and I were having meetings in my hospital bed. And so, you know, I was with, meeting with him on zoom. I, you know, a buddy go pick up my laptop from my house and bring it to the hospital. And I was doing, I was doing zoom meetings from my hospital bed. I was like, I have no idea how this is going to work. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So, but we made it through and, uh, it was, uh, the players were great and, and they, they, they helped me through this whole thing. So from a timetable, and obviously you don't you don't have all the answers. We talked about whether or not uh, it's going to be a, a hub for uh, Arlington, and then go to the, your destinations. We we don't have those answers yet. Do you know when when you get started? Um, well, the, our our opening uh, game is obviously the weekend of March thirtieth. Okay, that's 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 mm-hmm. been announced. So I would I would assume nothing's set in stone yet, but I would assume we show up to training camp sometime in, in mid February. Okay. Uh, that's when we'll get started for camp. And so those those dates, like I said, you know, Daryl Johnston and, and Russ Brandon are still getting those dates together in and, and the league, and uh, they're on top of it, though. And, and we should have those that news within the next, you know, few days here. And going full circle to how we started this conversation about the quality of football now with the merged league, we saw a number of players from either league making it in the NFL uh, this season so now you're talking about having the best of the best or the best of the rest if you will but also to have that relationship really with the nfl it's not a feeder league per se but now with just the one league where everybody's all in espn's in fox in you talk about exposure that they're going to get this is the ultimate lead up for these guys to get their crack at either getting to the nfl or returning to the nfl no question no question and and there's great markets in this league, number one. Okay, so there's going to be great exposure with fans and those things. And then, I mean, the Birmingham Stallions, who won the USFL last year, had 16 guys signed with the NFL team. 16. That's a lot. Well, you had 50 guys on the roster. Okay, so, you know, I mean, there were over 100 guys that signed in the NFL over a two-year period in the USFL, and I don't know what the numbers were last year for the XFL. I know it was a lot. Uh, but I don't know, not being in the XFL, I wasn't paying as close to attention to that. So, but over two year period, there were over a hundred guys in the USFL that signed. And, and we've seen this year again 
the Cowboys, it's been two straight years, the Cowboys got a Pro Bowl player from from the, right. the USFL, both on special teams with Turpin the one year, and then this year Brandon Aubrey comes in and has been amazing as a kicker. They got another Pro Bowl guy. Uh, watching Brandon in pregame warm-ups, because I wasn't around for Turpin, I was only there one year, but watching Brandon in pregame warm-ups, I was like, I, I've been out to the field early and watched, because the kickers, all they do on game day is kick, 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 <laughs> kick, you know, before the game. So I've seen my share of that. I've been in the NFL for 15 years. I've been out there early enough and watching these guys kick. And I'm sitting here going, what in the world is this guy doing? <laughs> he's not kicking it on Sunday. As sure as, sure as anything, he's, he's, he's balling out with the Cowboys. And good for him. Yeah. Uh, in, in years past, maybe some guy slipped through the cracks. Not anymore. And not with the exposure that this league will get. They will find those players that they deem valuable enough to, to have a crack at making uh, making their rosters. But it's going to be a terrific season. We're excited again to have a team here in Memphis. We're excited, John, to have you here as the head coach. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll be, we'll be talking to you a lot as the season progresses. I can't wait. Anytime, guys. And I cannot wait to get to Memphis. So, Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks, Happy New Year. Thank you, John. Thanks, you guys. Happy New Year. See ya. John Filippo. He's the new head coach of the Memphis Showboats. Cool dude. Very colorful character. Obviously having the experience that he has in the NFL and winning a Super Bowl ring as the quarterback's coach with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that's um, that hell stuff that he went through, man. I, I can't imagine that, like being in the hospital for six days and they stand, they can't figure out what's wrong with you. No, that's the scariest part, right? Not knowing, like, and, and then the idea that you may not walk again, <laughs> like you don't know what's about to happen. Like that's that's some that's weird stuff, man. The new year has arrived, and Dinstals is busy replenishing all the candies to fill the stores with your favorite treats, just in time. For the basketball games, whether it be the NBA or college, the NFL playoffs, and the national championship in college football, which is Monday night. So make sure to stock up on all those delicious delectables for the big game. Also, don't forget to stop by Dinstals downtown for a chocolate bar for your pocket before you go to the Orpheum, like I'll be at tonight, the Orpheum Theater. Dinstals, made in Memphis, enjoyed by the whole world for 100 and 22 years. Yeah, they got to be doing something right. They've been around for 122 years. All their delicious chocolates and candies. Check out Dinstals at their five locations. Laurelwood, Germantown, Collierville, Pleasant View, and downtown Memphis. When we come back, we'll be joined in studio by Ohio State Buckeyes running back Dallin Hayden. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour, brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Halfway home on this Thursday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. About 829 to be exact. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, their floor model sale continues. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. It's where family and fun come together. Family leisure. Coming up in hour number three, Harold Grader will join us as we put a wrap 
on the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. We'll look back at the Tigers' win over Iowa State in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game, how things went for all the folks at the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, specifically with Harold. And Harold went out and covered, not covered, but went out and watched the, the Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan. We'll get his thoughts on that as well. He went one and one. He went one and one in his picks? No, in his games. He was, right. He's a he was, Tiger guy, and he's an Alabama parent. Yeah, so but he had, Right, right. But he had to be neutral in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game, right? Right down the line. He had to be neutral. He's an executive for the bowl. He couldn't be favoring his alma mater. I, I, whatever, but in the end, it's his alma mater. They won. In the end, one and one, you're right, because his uh, daughter, like my daughter, who attended uh, Alabama, but Alabama falling. Dallin Hayden's going to join us in just a moment. He is running just a tad late. He will join us in studio, Ohio State Buckeyes running back. And we'll talk to Dallin about the matchup Monday night in the national championship game. Ohio State having played Michigan, having lost to their rivals, and uh, Washington, of course. The line is still four and a half. It has not moved as far as I know, Michigan installed as the early line four-and-a-half-point favorite, still a four-and-a-half-point favorite as far as I know. Uh, some other college football news. Alabama had nine players enter the transfer portal on Wednesday, including their starting center, Seth McLaughlin, who had all types of problems with the snap. He may want to go uh, find a school that they go under center. I don't know if they have if there's any of those left, but he might want to find a school there. They go under center a lot. It's interesting. I had uh, a friend, he's probably listening, uh, text me and said that Memphis should go after him. And I'm thinking to myself, why? I don't care that he's from Alabama, played for Alabama. I'm sure he's a quality player, but we saw he, he had the yips. It's. I'm not saying it's Steve Sachs-esque, but who knows if this guy ever gets it back? I mean, who knows where he is mentally after having all those issues in that particular game, including on that final snap to Milrow. I'm not saying that that was the difference as why they weren't able to convert there, but when you don't have a snap that's perfect, it certainly screws up as far as the timing of everything is concerned. So want to wish the young man good luck. Hopefully that yeah, won't be I'm, the problem you know, moving forward in his final year. No, I'm sorry. He's, um, listen, he's at Alabama. He's a great great player but yeah he's just got to he's got to get his snaps more on target and i'm sure he'll work hard on doing that speaking of great players entering the studio is our good friend one of the uh, the greatest prep players to ever play here in the city of memphis he's a running back for the ohio state buckeyes as i'm sure most of you know you can follow him on twitter at dallin hayden five dallin hayden joining us here in studio thank you my friend Man, thank you for having me again <laughs> good to have you back so you're here just for a few days for the holidays and then you head back yes sir yeah all right, so down right off the bat, before we break down, and I know you probably hate talking about Michigan, but we're going to talk about Michigan and Washington. <laughs> as far as where you stand, you're coming off a season where you were redshirted. Yeah. Are you absolutely headed back to Ohio State? You're not looking to jump into the portal or anything like that, right? Yeah, no, I'll be back at Ohio State. You know, uh, redshirted this year because we had a bunch of older guys in the room. And so uh, we just thought it, that would be best because I didn't want to waste your eligibility. So, yeah. Your freshman year, though, when you played, man, you were productive. And this year, 19 carries, 110 yards. That's 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, you had a touchdown, but it had to be, it had to drive you crazy there, standing on the sideline, going, "I can help this team yeah. out right now, but I'm not playing." Yeah, no, it was tough, but you know, uh, you've just got to be mentally strong. So I felt like that's what I did. 
How did so the decision to redshirt was that from your side? Is that Ryan Day coming down? How do those conversations start uh, and make that decision? I feel like it was just a mutual agreement because, like, at the time, you know, all the older people were getting most of the reps. So, like, we didn't want to just waste a year of my eligibility. Mm-hmm. So, we just thought it would be best for me to use it this year. You're a man now, so you can make decisions, I'm sure, on your own. But uh, for those who don't know, your father, of course, a longtime uh, NFL running back. Uh, Aaron's a friend of the show. And your bigger brother, your older brother, has played in college and all that. So did you lean on those guys when, when this came up? Or was this just something you, Coach Day, and the other offensive coaches uh, decided on your own? Uh, no, I leaned on uh, my dad and brother, for sure. Uh, and they kind of agreed, like, what's the point of wasting a year of eligibility if – I'm not going to get majority of the snaps. So, yeah, we agreed on it. So what's what's a year like when you're redshirting? And, again, you play a little bit, but you mm-hmm. you you know you're not going to play in right. most of the games. So what's that year like? I mean, you just, you know, got to work hard, you know. Uh, I felt like I got stronger, like, because I was in the weight room a lot. And, like, I feel like I got better as the year went on, so – I mean, you were big and high. you're so much bigger now, though. I get to, I can see it even he, wearing the, the from, hoodie from his early days at Christian Brothers oh, to yeah. now. Look, there's a slight transformation. <laughs> it is for sure. <laughs> I remember, was, my, I remember was, my first like year at CBHS. I was like 170 at best, maybe. Yeah. So like I'll be, be looking at pictures. I'll be like, dang, I'm skinny. <laughs> was it between your sophomore year and junior year that you put on weight, or was it junior or senior year at Christian Brothers? Junior. My junior year is really when I started gaining a lot of weight. Like, I got bigger than my senior year. I was pretty big. Because I remember the difference just that, and now I see it gets like, gosh dang, this dude. What are you at right now? Uh, 208. Yeah. And it's it's not just the gym getting bigger, but it's eating the right stuff. Yes. Correct? Yeah, I'm eating way more. I'd I say that's the that's one thing I learned, like, from high school, college, you got to eat more. Because <laughs> high school, I mean, I eat, but not as much as I do now. Were you eating... The right food in high school? I can't imagine you weren't like stopping over at McDonald's and grabbing like yeah, three quarter pounds. I mean, yes and no, but I'm eating way better now. Dude, I'm, better. I'm sure they have what nutritionists and stuff yeah. on staff. You can't help but eat yes, right, right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> okay, so what are the prospects now as you get ready for you know heading back to Ohio State, get back to class, spring ball, and then next season with the running back room? What are they saying to you? Obviously, the red shirt is over with for next year. You're going to be called upon. And I know there's a lot of Ohio State Buckeyes fans who've been calling for your name an awful lot. So where do you stand in the pecking order going into the 24 season? I mean, I don't know where I'm at in the pecking order, but I I know next year, like, I should be playing more. And, like, I have a great opportunity to play a lot and be a big contributor to our offense moving forward. Do you – with, with since you've been there, like in, in coming out of this season, do you have? Is there? Do you feel pressure from people to tell you, like basically, hey, you need to transfer? Like, is there? Is there outside pressure at all that hey, you should go somewhere where you can play more? Uh, no, not really. You know, because I don't. I try not to listen to outside noise too much. Like I listen to the people in my inner circle mostly, and like that's probably who I talk to the most about those type of decisions. So. Are Are you enjoying yourself at Ohio State? I know my son in law is one of the biggest Buckeyes fans out there, and uh, you know he loves that place. But he's on the outside looking in. You're there all the time. Uh, you're You're going through. Uh, the practices, you're taking the classes, you're in Columbus. Do, do you like that decision? Yeah, that, sure. and, and enjoying yourself? Yes, I'm enjoying it. You know, I mean, it's cold, but that's the only, <laughs> that's the only, that's the only knock I'd probably say. Like, you know, it's cold, but 
Yeah, it's in the Midwest, so. Yeah, it's cold out here today, yeah. so, yeah. Yes, it is. I didn't expect this when I came. <laughs> so, were you surprised? What When Kyle McCord announces that he's transferring, what was that like amongst you guys on the team? I mean, I feel like everybody was surprised, you know, because um, like, we just seen it on social media, and we're like, dang, I mean, but he made the best decision for him, I felt like, and I feel like he'll do good uh, at Syracuse. He, he said something like a business decision. Yeah. So was the word that he was going to lose his starting job? He's the starting quarterback for Ohio State, and that's what we were all shocked at because you would think he's the incumbent. He has the best chance to win the job. Was was the writing on the wall that he was going to lose his job? I mean, I have no idea. You know, you hear things, but, I mean, I never talked to Kyle about that situation, but I did see that podcast uh, you were talking about. Right. So felt like. They both just made the best decision for them. So. And is that that you just, in today's college football, like you just understand, that like, hey, I'm, there's a bunch of these teammates I'll lose in the offseason. They're going to leave. and that's the, But you just say, that's that's their decision, right. and I'll leave that up to them. Right, yeah, no. I mean, everybody got to make the best decision for them when it comes down to, like, rather that's the NFL uh, portal or whatever. And it's not just a decision on – where to go, which which place gives you the better chance to play, what gives you the better chance to start. But also, the NIL is a big factor now. Um, so as far as that is concerned, are you getting your opportunities with NIL? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the more I play and more I produce, like, more opportunities I'll get, like, off the field. But no, I'm, I'm getting some opportunities for sure. All right, so being around all the time, in practice, everything else, how good is Marvin Harrison Jr.? Best I've seen, <laughs> easily. Uh, yeah, well, Marvin's really good, and you know he works extremely hard. The hardest worker I've probably ever been around. So, really, really. Yeah, no, Marvin's Marvin's different. I think he'll be the number one pick. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think he will. So do you? Th- so your guess is that the Bears stick with Fields. Fields. I think the Bears should stick with Fields because all he needs is some solid linemen and mm. some more receivers. Mm-hmm. I think they should stick with him, but you know. Okay, well, if they don't, they're looking at a quarterback, and some of these quarterbacks you've seen. Caleb Williams. Yes. But Michael Penix, I have loved Michael Penix since his days at Indiana. And I think now people are starting to realize, wow, this guy's pretty good by watching him and what he did in the semifinal game. I agree. Uh, But And again, some you've seen, some you haven't seen. But you hear Drake May's name, uh, you even hear McCarthy's name at Michigan. To you, is it is it slam dunk Caleb Williams or? I, I'm not. I'm gonna be real. Like I, I watched Michael Penix. I mean, I've watched him. Like you know, but I like watched him closely. No, he's he's a really good talent. Like I knew he was good at Indiana, but I feel like he just got way better when he got to Washington. Like maybe it's because you know he had better talent. But no, Michael Penix is a, he's a dude. So for this championship game. When you are an Ohio State Buckeye, like, are you like you're not all, watching it? All about Washington, like, or do you do you just hope like with yeah. everything that Washington wins the game because you can't possibly stomach Michigan being the national champion? Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely pulling for Washington, uh, but you know uh, Michigan's a good team. You know, I feel like feel like it'll be a good game, but I feel like Washington's defense is going to have to step up. I think. What What was the reaction? <clears throat> with the football program, with your football program, to the whole scandal with Michigan? The sign stealing? I mean, how did you guys... I know how the fans felt. How did you guys feel as players? 
mean, we just felt like, you know, it's not fair. We felt like they cheated, you know, because uh, it was proven that they had that coach go steal signals from everyone. So, yeah, it was just, it was awful. So do you feel if they win this championship, it's tainted? It should have an asterisk next to it? I mean, you know, they won't, I mean, I honestly do not know. I don't know, because, like, yes and no, but, like, if they knew this was going on the whole time, like, why were they not in trouble? So, I don't know. Right. So when you guys played them this year, did you have to? Did you guys like completely change your signals and everything? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. And normal. How much normally game to game would those signals change? Like, how different is it to do what you did against Michigan this year versus what you would normally do week to week? I mean, not. I mean, yeah, it's different. You know, obviously we all know the calls, but yeah, we just had to be that more locked in on the signals. What did Coach say about the whole thing? I mean, he wasn't he wasn't proud of it at all. Um, <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> I don't think anybody was though, to be honest, at all. That that whole thing was crazy. Yeah, it 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 still doesn't lessen the blow, and you can speak to it firsthand as far as losing to Michigan because it's all about that Ohio State Michigan rivalry, one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. So they've gotten the upper hand now here recently on you guys. Um, that that's important. Obviously, it's huge for you guys, huge for the fan base. I, I would think that's probably priority number one, winning the Natty next year, but making sure that you beat Michigan. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta up it up. We gotta up our end of the stick on that. Yeah, they've gotten the best of us the last three years. So yeah. Do you are you excited about the fact that all these new teams are coming into the Big Ten? Yes, because you know, SEC has always been like the best conference, but. I mean, they probably will still be the best conference, but I feel like the Big Ten's going to be, like, right there with them next year. Like, it's going to be SEC and Big Ten, I feel like, representing most of that 12-team playoff next year. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge lift yeah. for the Big Ten because all those teams uh, have explosive offenses. Mm-hmm. They have the ability to put points on the board, which is not the case for one of your Big Ten brethren. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this the Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> I figured you knew I was going this this direction. Yeah. In, in in 2024, to have an offense that plays like it's in the 1960s and still win 10 games. I mean, right. explain Iowa to me. They're just it's, they're kind of like a weird team to me. Like <laughs> they have really good defense. Their their defense is always elite. Um, unless they're just, playing, unless they're yeah, playing unless Ohio they're State, playing, Michigan, yeah, Penn State, yeah, or somebody yeah. really good. Like I just don't. I don't I don't know what what their offensive strategy is. You know, I got a I got a close friend, you know, my old roommate goes there. He's like their premier receiver. Like I always like I'm like throw the ball to him, throw the ball to him. Like I don't Do you ever ask him why the hell did you go to Iowa as a receiver? Yeah, he's like he's like yeah, I mean, we just got to make some changes like from the old school approach. I'm like, yeah, like I mean, cuz they have good players like Sure. Yeah, like I just don't I don't understand their offensive strategy. But that's interesting. We were talking about that the other day. If you're a an offensive player, especially a skilled position right. offensive player, you know, the linemen, they're going to get mm-hmm. the big linemen and all that. Why would you go to Iowa? And here you are right. talking about a former roommate that's right. actually a receiver yeah. for them? He did, he did. He did pretty good when 
given the opportunity to so. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't really get their approach on the offensive side. I think the coach's son is their OC. Yeah, well, he was. He was. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he, he, he got. Think, yeah, I think he got rid of his son. Yeah, he is. They're, is they're, I think their offense strategy is uh, punt it as soon as we can. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the offensive strategy. I mean, when you fall behind seven nothing, it's over. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. But Monday night, obviously, the, the you're, you're rooting uh, as a Ohio State Buckeye should against Michigan and for Washington. But how do you see this game playing out? Do you see it explosive offense? What do you see? I see explosive offense because, um, you know, I, at first I thought uh, Michigan was just going to run all over them. But then when I started watching Washington versus Texas, I'm like, no, these guys could play. Uh, they have a really good receiver, Roma. Oh, gosh, yeah. he's good. Rome's, Rome's really good. Uh, I feel like, you know, I feel like. Washington's going to do what they do, and Michigan's going to do what they do, and I feel like it could come down to who has the ball last. Really? Okay. So a high-scoring affair. Yeah. Do what, what makes the Michigan defense so good? Is it just good players? I think it's good players, and they execute. Like, they're not going to – they're one of those teams they're not going to make mistakes and beat themselves. Like, you got to kind of take the game away from them. So you're heading back to Columbus when? Uh, Sunday. And when do you get back into the whole all-season So I think we workouts? have a week off, and then we're right back into it. And spring football starts when? Do you know yet, the dates? No. no? no. Okay. Can you promise me not to take it out on my Maryland Terrapins next year when you're in there <laughs> running the ball? Please? I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dallin, thank you so much for joining us again. We always appreciate that. And uh, best of luck to you. We're rooting for you. Can't wait to watch you getting the totes next year for Ohio State and, and leading the Buckeyes, hopefully, to a national championship. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. That is Dallin Hayden from the Ohio State Buckeyes. You can follow him on Twitter. At Dallin Hayden 5. We will take a quick timeout, come back, wrap up hour number two. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. What a great young man. Down is terrific. All, all the Haydens are. I mean, his, his mother and father just, man, they get it. They know how to bring up just gentlemen and... They are gentlemen in this world, and they are fierce competitors on the field. And we were just talking during the break, and Eli's been calling Christian Brothers games for, what, 20 years now? 20. This was my 21st season this past season. Was. And, and it's not even close, and he's the best player you've ever well, from, I, I, from Christian Brothers, right? Yeah, I mean, they've had some great players in that time, but like he was at the high school level. He was unstoppable. <laughs> he just – he it was – because he, I mean, what especially uh, we talking about once he put the weight on, um, like his juniors and senior years, like he was so strong, but also just the explode, like so fast. Like once he got into the open field, there was nobody catching him. Like he just, he he was an incredible, incredible. Again, when you're at Ohio State, like that tells you, like you you know you're an incredible player. And I I hope like because he he's going to produce. He gets the opportunity when he's been in there. When yes, he, since he's been there, he's that he they give him the opportunity, he will produce. He's just too good of a running back not to produce. It, it, it's pretty amazing. His freshman year, he got chances, and he seized the opportunity. He was terrific. This year they redshirted him. 
He gets 19 carries. He still goes for 110 yards, 5.8 yards per pop. Yes, when he gets that opportunity, he's going to seize the moment. Now, they are lucky, in my opinion, that he is so down-to-earth, even-keel. Again, the great family where he's not in a rush to, to leave in this day and age of jumping in the portal. But I would bet if somehow next year they limit him, then you have to think about it. Then you absolutely have to think about it because he could be special. This could be an NFL running back. And so he needs to get those opportunities. And obviously he thinks, okay, well, you know, redshirt year, that's fine. But 2024 is my year. And they're going to bring in other running backs, and they have, and I don't know who's coming back. But Dallin, as he said, will be in the mix of that. He will be getting his opportunities. But all of a sudden, like if he doesn't, then it's like, no. One year, okay. Two years, no. Not in this he day was, and age. He in high school, and there's been others that I've, like, on opposing teams since I've been doing Christian Brothers games and, and throughout the years of various places I've been doing high school or whatever. Like, he is one of those guys that when you, like, literally can say, every time he touched the ball, you felt like it probably would go for a touchdown. Like, you just, you're like, you were kind of surprised when he got tackled. Like right. You, you right. just felt like there's that chance. There's a good chance every time he touches the ball that it could go for a touchdown. And he just, he was that type of high school player. He was he was amazing at the high school level. Yeah, and there's there's probably some folks out there who have been connected to Christian Brothers High School for years and years and years, much more than your 20 years, that probably have a player or two in their mind that think, uh, yeah, they're, they're in their minds that that's the best player that's ever played at Christian Brothers. But again, you're saying over your time for 20 years that he's the best. And I just wonder in the history of that program with all those many, many, many years of football, you know, where does he rank? It's got to yeah. be up there near the top. Like I look at guys that they played against, like Ty Chandler, who played at NBA, played against Christian Brothers. Um, who's in the NFL now. Like, he was great. He was unbelievable. Dallin was better than him at the high school level, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I didn't get to see Chandler every single game. Like, I got to see Dallin every single game of his high school career where, you know, Chandler, I got to see him when they played Christian Brothers. And he was really good, but, and he was, I mean, he was awesome. But, you know, guys, other there's other guys throughout what, the what, years. What about, what about a guy like Anthony Miller? I mean, he was a walk-on to the University of Memphis, so obviously they weren't coming after him, even though he was very productive at yeah, Christian Yeah, Brothers. I mean, and, and for him, like, when you're a receiver, it's a little different, but based a little bit of the quarterback, everything else, and they didn't throw the ball. They they just didn't throw the ball a That's whole lot. True. So he didn't That's get true. a chance to do what, what Dallin did. But, you know, um, the old Orleans will Hoku Darkwa, who went on sure. to play, have a good NFL career. I saw him in high school play against Christian Brothers. Was an unbelievable running back. Dallin was every bit as good as him at the high school level. Like I don't, you, I don't like you. Can't be much better than what Dallin was at the high school level. Like again, the dude, I can't remember what his. I don't have his numbers in front, but the dude was like a touchdown machine, like two thousand yards. Like you can't do much more than what he did at high school. Yeah, I'm trying to think over the, and I've been here since 1995. Some of the great running backs that have come through this area, Ahmad Galloway, who I think uh, didn't he pass away here in the last year or so, uh, went to Alabama. I mean, the guy was a hell of a running back at Millington. Uh, was it Mark Dotson mm-hmm. who ended up going to Ole Miss? For I mean, he was a hell and, of a running back as well. Um, but 
You know, Dallin's... And, and John Varlas tomorrow could certainly bring up a lot more than, than I could. I, I'm just going by who I've seen with Christian Brothers and against Christian Brothers. But, like, yeah, it, it's it's tough to be better than... It would be almost it, really hard to be better than what he was at the high school level. Right, right. And then, of course, there was D'Angelo, but he was outside the Memphis area. He was at Wynn, never got a chance to watch him in high school, just heard of the guy, and obviously <laughs> he was a dominating force there in high school as well. And then... Went on to do that at the college level and in the National Football League. So we appreciate Dallin joining us here on the program. When we come back, Hour 3, all about college football, all about the National Championship, and a look back at the AutoZone Liberty Bowl as it's the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour one more time this season with Mr. Harold Grader. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.